Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Huynh. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership, becoming financially free, and leaving a profound legacy for our children. This year, we've added family financial freedom as a major topic. We want to help families learn, act, and implement strategies to become financially free with topics ranging from debt elimination, student loans, credit, cash flow, investment, to money mindset, and financial literacy. Be sure to get my new book called True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing, and my previous book, Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. The links are in the show notes, or you can go to Amazon and Google my name, Jacqueline Quinn. If you're looking for a speaker for your organization or event, please contact me at info at integrativeminds.com to schedule a meeting time. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and syndicated on rethinkradio.org, oneideaway.com, and Armed Radio. Okay, our guest today is a successful businessman investor and attorney specializing in tax, business, real estate, and estate planning. In his early days, he was also a canine officer. He has a genuine love and passion for creating long-term relationships with his clients to educate them and really help them create a multi-generational wealth for their family and financial freedom. He is also my co-author on our Book, True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing. Please help me welcome Maurice Kempner. Hi, Maurice. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you out there in Texas? That's good. It's all good. <laughs> I love this episode today because we're going to be talking about equity stripping. But I think before we really talk about what equity stripping is, let's talk about some mindset that I think the general average American think. I think that when it comes to mortgage and home loans and what their home, I think most people think, let's get a 30-year mortgage loan. I want to get the lowest interest rate and I want to pay it off as in that 30 years so that I can live rent-free. But the wealthy have different mindset because I see them constantly borrowing money and getting more real estate loans. What's your thought on the two mindset? Well, I was raised in a wealthy family. I, I, I lived with my grandparents for a good portion of my childhood. They had a, a big farm. I was around there, my grandmother's aunts and uncles and, and other people who taught me about money growing up. And they have a different philosophy about money in general than uh, working class people do. And they, these things are no secrets. Uh, all the kids I knew that were similar to me that grew up on these kind of big farming and business operations, they, their parents all told them the same thing. Equity is like cash. It's like putting cash in your mattress and letting it sit there. Uh, it loses value just like cash does. So whenever you have equity or cash and it's not earning anything, your family is losing wealth over time because of inflation. That's what they told me. As far as a regular mortgage, there there are situations where that might be the best thing for somebody. But in most cases, depending on the market you're in and how your real estate goes up in value, 
it's usually better to do other things where you can access that equity and then leverage it through other kinds of investments that are that are I think are secure, like other real estate, for example, and continue to build wealth on it. Why is equity and cash a losing scenario? Give us like an example. I remember watching a female financial expert. I won't mention her name, but she was telling some people, well, if, if you've got your kids uh, a job, even when they were 14, 15 or whatever, working someplace and you put the money they earned, you can even let them keep the money, but just put the amount they earned into an IRA by the time. And they just continue to put that amount in the rest of their lives. The limit by the time they turn 65, they could have a million dollars. So I have a, if you want me to share the screen, I can show you there's a little calculator here. If you go ahead and you uh, do that. So let's say you put a million dollars in there, like she said, here's the future amount. Let's say the rate of inflation was 3%. It's actually a little more than that. And let's say it was just from 15 to 65. What is that? 50 years? 50 40 years. years? 50 years. So we'll put in here 50 years and then we calculate. So what that means is for all the people in the audience, they're like, oh my gosh, a million dollars just from doing that. Well, if you'd have done that 50 years ago, if you'd have taken that advice 50 years ago and inflation had been 3% all this time, that money is only worth in today's buying power, $228,000. I don't think that's sufficient to retire on, but some people make it on that. There's an example. It's if you save now, it's not going to be worth a million dollars later. In fact, after you adjust for inflation, this number here, this 228000 is probably similar to the amount of money that would have been put in over all those years. For all who are just listening, Maurice pulled up something called reverse inflation calculator. So you can just Google that. Yeah, this is just one I found online. So that million dollars in today's 50 years later is actually only worth 228000 And you're right, Maurice, that's probably about how much. Yeah, depending on what happens. So if we make the assumption, so inflation's been around 3.22% a year on average for some time. That's the official rate. Unofficially, it's probably a lot higher than that. But let's just assume that for the next 50 years, and there you go. But who knows what inflation really will be. Let's talk about then how real estate works, because obviously that's where we say the sweet spot is. Right. So real estate has a tendency to go up in value with with inflation. Even if it just keeps pace with inflation, you're not losing your money. And if you've leveraged your real estate, you're making a lot more than inflation. So for example, let's say you had $100,000 and you could buy a rental house for 100000 which a lot of the ones we, we work with people on are around that range. Or you could put $25,000 down on four rentals. Well, if the rate of inflation was 3% and the average increase in the market was just the rate of inflation when that house, it would go up a value of $3,000 a year, 3% inflation approximately. So that means if you bought the house, paid cash for it, you'd make $3,000 in appreciation. If you put $25,000 down on four houses, though, you'd make $12,000 because you bought four houses and they each appreciate $3,000. And $12,000 is more by $8,000 than the rate of inflation would be. So in the one hand, you pay cash, your rate of inflation is going to give you, a, you know, you're just going to keep the value of your realty by it going up 3%.
use a little leverage, and you're going to beat the rate of inflation by a lot. That's where we talk about leveraging your equity, and that hanging on to is really a losing scenario. Well, this is one of the reasons why equity costs you money, because if you have the opportunity to buy four houses and get $12,000 in appreciation versus $3,000, and you don't do it because you're just keeping your equity, not only are, is your property is the equity losing value, uh, it's lost $3,000 of its value. So let's make this clear. Even though the house went up $3,000 in value, it's not because of the equity. If you bought that house and had a $100,000 loan on it and no equity, you still would have made $3,000 in appreciation. So the actual equity in the house would have lost $3,000 in value. The reason you made $3,000 is because you own this real estate. It's not the equity making you money doesn't matter whether your house has equity in it or not. It's going to go up in value however it does. And the equity you have will be worth less and less every year. You have a really great example. I remember you telling me one time, like two house, same house, two owners on the one block. One person leveraged and the other one doesn't. Yeah. So if you had a house and it was worth 500000 and I had a house and it was worth 500000 and I paid cash for my house, and you had a $500,000 mortgage on your house, and let's say 10 years from now, the houses were worth a million dollars just because of the market and inflation, I will make $500,000 on my house due to appreciation, and you will make $500,000 on your house also. Doesn't matter what our loans on the property were. So what the person that has the loan, how is that benefiting him? Well, so that $500,000 in 10 years at 3%, that, that $500,000 is worth about 30% less than it was 10 years ago. So if you paid cash for your house, you would have lost 30% of the buying power of your equity during that 10-year period of time and made $500,000. If I put my $500,000 in other real estate investments and had a $500,000 loan, I would have made the $500,000, not lost any money to inflation, and I would have made an appreciation gain on all my other real estate as well. Right, right. To get right into it. What is, what is equity stripping and how do you use it as an asset protection? So as an attorney, that's, a, that's kind of a legal term used by asset protection attorneys. So basically, if you have cash or you have any kind of asset, including equity and a property, then you're a target. So, for example, back when we had this last meltdown in the real estate market, anybody who had any equity in their home and didn't make their payments, the banks went out right away and foreclosed on those because they could get all their money. People, It was people who ended up underwater that sat there in their homes for two or three or even more years before the bank did anything to them without even making a payment because if they foreclose, the bank is going to lose money. So... It's a lot more complex than that, what went on, but that's an example of what happens whenever you have assets. Somebody can try to go after those assets. So if you have a lot of equity in your property and you get sued, people can go after that equity. They can put a lien on your property. If your property is leveraged, then the lender on your property has a first claim already, and the only equity they can go after is whatever equity you have leveraged. So if you take the equity out of your house, and you use it to buy other real estate, and you leverage that, 
it makes it very difficult for anybody to get you. So that's what that's why they call it equity stripping because you strip the equity out of your company, the real estate, whatever asset you have, so that you're a much more difficult target. That's just strictly from an asset protection point of view. It has nothing to do with rate of return. The other reason you strip equity is because you can make more money that way. Give us an example for people who don't have a lot of money because you were saying if you have $100,000 or 25000 you can start. I'll share the screen again. So here's this little calculator that you can get from us. Let's say I've got a, a house and let's say my house is worth $600,000 and I owe $100,000 on it. I can get a home equity line of credit on that for 80% of the value of the property. I could then go out, get a rental property that's going to give me the return I want. And that's $100,000. So now the balance on my home equity line of credit would be 200000 So what I do is I just go down and refinance my house out of the regular mortgage and do home equity line of credit. The interest rates are a little higher. Um, and let's say my monthly income with me and my spouse is $12,000. Let's say I have $3,500 in, in expenses that doesn't include the mortgage. So listeners, it's going to be harder for you to follow this because Maurice is has a spreadsheet out to calculate all this. It'd be great if you can go to our YouTube channel, Parent Pump Radio, and watch the actual video. It'll be much more understandable. Yeah, but just know if you had, let's say, $12,000 monthly income, $3,500 in expenses, and $200,000 on your equity line of credit, Every time you get a paycheck or any other money, you pay down your HELOC with it. You use your HELOC loan, which is your home equity line of credit, to pay all your bills. So it's like your own personal bank. You're just using the equity in your home instead of letting it sitting there and lose value. To uh, You're leveraging it now into real estate. So to get back down to $100,000 doing that with those numbers I gave you, I'll just tell you the bottom line is it would take 13 months to pay off that rental house. And with the rental house paid off, it's adding probably close to $1,000 a month to your income. Yeah. So, listener, we recently just did a, a full 30-minute video on how to do this, breaking it down. So, anyway, that's how – I don't know if that answers your question then, but that's how – leverage that equity out of there. That's an example. So we talked earlier about the properties that's in the True Legacy Wealth Program are around $100,000. And for as little as $25,000 down, what kind of return can we get? Well, and I, and I think even better than doing that, if you do $25,000 down, then you have to go get a regular mortgage from the bank and you have to qualify and do all that paperwork and, and whatnot. But if the property's paid off after expenses, you're going to make somewhere between 800 and a thousand bucks a month on average on a hundred thousand dollar property like that right now. Now keep in mind over time, rent goes up with inflation. So that rate of return is going to go up. And rather than put $25,000 down, since we're talking about equity today, if you had any equity, you can leverage that equity and just write a check out of a home equity line of credit. For example, if you're using the equity in your home, just write a check for $100,000, pay cash for the property. You don't have to get any other loans. It's really easy to do. You can close quickly. And then you take the $1,000 a month or so that you're getting after your expenses from that property and you just pay down the home equity line of credit with that and any other money you have left over every month. 
for example, if you're putting money every month into a 401k or some other kind of retirement vehicle like that, I think it's better to do this instead. Instead of putting the money in there, you just use it to pay off that rental property. The rental property is for your retirement income. And then as your income increases as you acquire more properties they get paid off faster and faster i know of some people who are paying off a house every month from doing this specific using the heloc technique that you talk about yeah or just using all the extra money they get and, and paying them off as quick as they can and then they leverage that equity and so on and it makes your rate of acquisition much more rapid yeah since you're a cpa and tax attorney. Tell us some tax tool advantage of paying interest versus principal. Well, if you have interest as a business, anytime you have interest as a business expense, it's tax deductible. If you just own the property, there's no interest deduction. Now, it's interesting that almost every time you run the numbers, when you leverage a property and you have a mortgage, you get a higher rate of return than if you just paid cash for it. So, in our properties, typically you'll see around 8% return if somebody just pays cash after their expenses on the money that they use to pay cash. If they finance it, like with a home equity line of credit where they just write a check from that or they use traditional financing, it comes in around 12, 13, 15% on average after expenses. That's uh, very interesting. Plus, uh, you get all these other forms of uh, return in addition to that. So there's uh, the tenants, as they make the mortgage payment, they're paying off the loan for you. And the principal portion is like money that you're being paid because it's paying down your loan. So that's another form of return besides your cash flow that you're getting. And then the example I gave earlier about the appreciation, instead of having appreciation on one property, you have appreciation on several properties because you leverage the same money. Now, when we talk about cash, there's many ways that you, it's not just from your checking account or from the equity in your home. If you talked earlier about people putting money in their 401k or IRA. Right. We also had recently had an episode that talked about self-directed IRA where we can actually help people buy property using their retirement account. Right. So I just recently had a conversation with one of my clients. He's got a million dollars in a deferred compensation retirement plan, which is like a 401k. Um, if he puts that million dollars, if he, he can, he's going to retire in a couple of years. So when he retires, what we'll do is we'll take that money and transfer it into a self-directed IRA. And then from there, he will just buy a million dollars worth of rental properties, and he'll be getting an extra $10,000 a month in his retirement, which will basically almost double his retirement income. And then over time, we'll move those properties out of the retirement account a little bit at a time, because when he gets 70 and a half, there's what there is called required minimum distributions where the government wants you to take the money out of those kind of accounts and not leave it in there. So that by the time he dies, all that will be out of there and he'll be collecting rent on it and his kids will inherit it and they'll get a paycheck for life. Now, you don't have to wait until you retire to do a self-directed IRA. No, if you have your own retirement funds that you have control of, you can do it anytime. If, if you have some kind of company plan, usually the, those plans are captive in the company and they won't let, so for example, this guy worked for the state of California, 
the state of California won't let him transfer the money out of their okay. 401k, or in this case, 457, which is like a 401k. 457s are for are 401k type plans for government employees. So basically the same thing in most respects. They won't let him take that money out of there until for that kind of transfer until you're tired. But if you have a regular IRA or a Roth IRA that you have control of, we recently had an episode regarding self-directed IRA, how people can actually self-direct their IRA to invest in real estate. Yeah, and if you've retired and you've got this money in one of these accounts, you can just transfer it over there and then just collect rent on your properties as your payment. By doing that, you're not just burning up the money that never with no replacement, which is what most people do. It turns into a race between uh, from the time they retire until they die is whether they run out of money first or they die first. This way you're just collecting rent, which goes up with inflation. So you got your cost of living increases and your equity is still there. And this is, you know, this episode really about equity. What are you going to do with it? Because as long as it sits there, it's really is a losing scenario because like the 2008 market crash, all those people who earn all those equity in their home appreciation lost about half of it. Right. So if they had, if people, anybody who had been doing what we had told them to do and they had rental properties, first of all, we, we get these rental properties, what we call stable markets. So they didn't have these big drops. Uh, like you saw in California, Las Vegas, Phoenix, places like that. They had drops of 1%, 2%, 3%, stuff like that. Uh, and the rent didn't drop. They're still collecting rent. In fact, in a lot of places, rents could actually go up some, but there was a lot more demand in some places for renting because people lost their homes and now they had to rent. So the income stayed the same. It was very easy for them to ride anything like that out and they didn't lose uh, money on their rental properties. And since they leveraged out of their home, they didn't lose the equity that was in their home before, wasn't lost to the market when it took a dump. So that's another thing besides inflation, all your equity in your property is subject to what we call market risk. So if there's a big downturn like that, then the bank has that risk because they gave you the loan on the equity. But if you have equity, you have the risk. Right. So you want to pull that equity out if you have it and invest in real estate, other real estate, and collect the income, collect the tax advantage, enjoy the appreciation and the leverage that you have in there. And yeah. even if there's a downturn, it actually is a good thing because if it's a downturn, you you have income. Let me tell you something that a lot of people don't even realize, and it's, and it's, it's pretty profound. So if Whoever is listening, or just listen to this. There's so many people that are making a house payment every month, house payment, insurance, and property taxes, but they have a boatload of equity in their house. If they took the equity in their house and bought rental properties with it, the income from the rental properties would not only pay the payments on the rental properties, but the positive cash flow would pay their house payment, their insurance and their property taxes. And it would be the same as if their house was paid off already. Because if you've got income coming from your equity in your home, that's making a payment on your house and pay, making the payment, that's the same as if your house was paid off, right? 
here they are out there struggling every month to come up with this payment and they don't have to. So that equity is your retirement money. <laughs> when you think about it, that's where the, the money keeps flowing. You don't have to worry about it running out. You just take the equity out of your house, buy rental properties that make the payment on the rental properties and your house. And now it's the same as if your house is paid off and you have no house payment. And But people don't know that. And they are out there making house payments, paying property taxes, insurance, and everything else. Plus, because the house technically isn't paid off, they still get to deduct the interest they pay on. That's true. That's coming from a, a CPA tax attorney right there. <laughs> so I know people can also get that HELOC calculator. Yeah. So uh, do you want them to just contact you? Uh, yeah, well, they can just go to truelegacywealth.com, schedule an appointment, and then if they want to call, what number should they call? It's 888-615-0190, 888-615-0190. So you can call there and also sketch an appointment and ask for the HELOC calculator. Okay, thank you, Maurice. That was very, very educational. And I hope that the listeners are thinking about this as the new year is coming around and they're wondering, I want to make more money. That's my new year's resolution. How do I do it? And they can at least listen to this and realize that they've got a gold mine sitting right under them if they own a house. Exactly. Okay. Any last words? No, I, I would just say definitely look at your situation and see what's possible and just think about it. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah, every situation is different, and that's why it's really important that you just call in, make an appointment, or go to truelegacywealth.com and make an appointment because really every situation is unique. It's not a cookie cutter. Thank you very much, listener, and thank you, Maurice, for sharing your insightful knowledge again. And listeners, keep on learning and keep on growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. Until next time, have a wonderful week.